You're listening to the Just Jazz and Co podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what of ambitious careers with me, Just Jazz, and many guests. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and R&B. I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yep, you heard me. Desire. No shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Just Jazz and Co podcast. Today, I'm really excited to introduce you to another ambitious guest. So today I have Rachel Rosen. Hi, Rachel. Hey, how are you? Thank you for coming on. Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation and really dig into your career journey. But before we do, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, it's great to meet everyone and exciting to, for those that are listening. So my career journey has been a little unpredictable in a way. Um, I started out my career cooking. I went to culinary school. My degree is in culinary arts and culinary nutrition. And from there, I started cooked all over the country, all over the U.S., had an opportunity to work out in England for my senior internship as well, cooking in two health spas. And then when I came back to the States to finish out my senior year, I had the opportunity to work at Brown University in dining services. So I spent time between hotels and restaurants and spas and then in university setting as well. And then that was my first foray into working in the front of the house operations. When I decided to move on from college and get my first job, I had the opportunity to work for Hyatt. And I started out there as a corporate management trainee in the Grand Hyatt, Washington, D.C., and rotated all over the hotel. I really wanted to continue to cook, but it just didn't work out. And I ended up staying in the front of the house for eight years, working all over the country, working from banquets to running restaurants, room service, as well as off-premise events, up to 3,000 people. And about 10 years ago, I was working in Seattle at the time, decided it was time to leave Hyatt, but I wasn't really sure uh, what I wanted to do originally, but I knew I wanted to get back to New York City. And so I picked up everything, moved across the country with no job and found my way into New York. Nobody wanted to hire me because I didn't have New York City restaurant experience, but I realized that I really wanted to work for a restaurant that was chef driven. And I got the opportunity to work at ABC Kitchen with Jean-Georges Van Richten and Dan Kluger starting out as a floor manager. And then over the four years that I was there, worked my way up to be general manager of all three restaurants, ABC Kitchen, Cocina, and V. And then about almost six years ago, I had the opportunity, we had installed a point of sale system into ABC Kitchen. And I got along really well with that team, was giving them a lot of ideas for different feature requests and how they can improve the system. So it work well for fine dining and full service restaurants and had the opportunity to move on to a point of sale company as the head of accounts. They are in their series, they just raised their series A and they're looking to kind of build up from there. I spent three years with that company from head of accounts to VP of CX and then when in 2020, when COVID happened, they laid off most of the company except for my team and our engineering team. So I ended up being mm. the de facto GM, took over operations, customer, uh, everything that was finance. 
and everything in between. The only thing I didn't do is code because I don't know how to do that. Did a <laughs> did product, just did, was an integrator, did a little bit of everything. And then I had the opportunity um, and the end of 2020 to move on to another food tech company, Lunchbox, and I became the chief customer officer there. They had just raised their Series A, and I was one of the first leadership hires outside of the founders and built out the entire customer success team from support, implementations, solutions, uh, training, customer success to almost 50 people in about a year. Globally, we had people all over the world and 100% remote. After being there for a year, I was t- I realized it was time for me to move on for something else, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And through all the threads of everything I've done, hospitality really resonated with me, but I wanted to take some time off. So I went mm-hmm. on a learning sabbatical to figure out what was next for me and spent time doing some traveling. I went to Sri Lanka and the Maldives and Costa Rica. And then I took a whole bunch of different classes, uh, specifically through Pavilion, which is a really great networking organization for those in go-to-market roles, uh, specifically in SaaS businesses. You don't necessarily have to be, but I did chief customer officer school, CRO school, CMO school. I took some um, other classes on project management and different things that I could just try to figure out what I really enjoyed and what I wasn't sure um, that, I, that I was good at, but I didn't really like to do. And then a year ago, I did, uh, if you're familiar with uh, Laura Garnett's book, Finding Your Zone of Genius, I did an exercise to kind of figure out what that was because I was still kind of lost on what that next thing was for me. And from there, I realized maybe what I was best at was being an integrator. And maybe what the next step was for me was to become a chief of staff. Although I held a C-suite position before, seeing leadership in a different vantage point, working directly for a CEO and how I could help other departments, not just run my own vertical. And so I went on a journey to try to figure out where that, where it fit in, what, what would that look like? And so I ended up doing inter- informational interviews with chiefs of staff from Fortune 500 to nonprofits and everything in between. I met with about 40 different people who either currently held the position or once held the position to try to understand more where I would best fit in. And then from there, continue to network. I never actually got a role as a chief of staff for, for many reasons, but during that time, I realized I had met about 300 people in the last year in one-on-one conversations and realized I started gaining more networking skills that I didn't realize that I had and then started talking about it a lot more and realizing that others didn't have these skills but really wanted to learn how to do it. And so now I'm on a new journey again, started my own consultancy called Connection Catalyst to teach executives and entrepreneurs and others networking skills so that they can get into a place where they're able to use those skills on a regular basis, grow their network, and not necessarily have to wait until it's time to find a job, especially if you're Mm -hmm. not sure if you want to stay in the same industry or go somewhere else. Because I had been primarily in hospitality, went from cooking to to hotels, to restaurants, and then into tech. My network only took me so far because I only knew the people in my industry. And over the last year, I've met people all over the place, from those that have worked in Fortune 500s to those that are in nonprofits, to those that um, are managing large teams and small teams and different industries, from media 
to um, environmental sciences and life sciences and everything in between to just kind of understand people more. And also for me to really change the way that my thinking process is. How can I open up my eyes to see things in a different way as well? So that was a little long-winded, but um, that's where I am at now. (laughs) You took us on the journey and I love it because that's where I I love to start these conversations. And there's so much in there that I can relate to. One of my past lives, my degree, my undergraduate degree is in hospitality. So I trained in the kitchen as well as front of house. And that was always the big conundrum, right? Before you graduate, figure out you want to stay back of house or go front of house and I was also working, so I would I had tried room service, I'd done events, all of those different things. And I think there's so much about those kinds of experiences that I I absolutely love and I treasure to this day. Um I have this conversation with my partner all the time. I say, like, whether our our, our children need to work or not, they're gonna work in either retail or hospitality. I don't care which they get to choose. But the skills that you get around understanding the holistic operation and the part that you play and how it slots in systems, processes, people, being able to have confidence in what you're doing, right? Because I used to, I remember watching the people like carry in like three plates on each hand and I just thought I could never do that. And like over time, finally learned how to do it. And I was just like, there's so much self-belief in this. And I think that's why I love, yeah, I will always have a special place in my heart for hospitality because it really is an art form. Like, yes, a lot of it is science, right? Okay, we eat at certain times and seasonal menus are seasonal menus, but the actual experience that you create is always going to be unique and it is so powered by that person who is your maitre d your host your sommelier your like the it's the human side of it so hearing that as your foundation i was so not surprised when you had the curiosity around the chief of staff role and i kind of want to springboard from there because because i've worked for us-based companies i'm familiar with the role but here in the uk chief of staff sounds like hr and it's so far from that so can you just just give our listeners a little cliff notes version of like what is that chief of staff position? Yeah, so I mean it definitely is different from all different views depending upon who you're talking to. The type of chief of staff mm-hmm. that I was looking to be was more of a VP level chief of staff, someone that was mm-hmm. working side by side with a CEO that could be implemented wherever in the organization to help any function be the eyes and ears or extra set of eyes and ears of a CEO because they can't be everywhere and they tend to be more visionary and they're not necessarily the doers. So they need someone that can take their vision and get the work done. That's not necessarily the COO who has other things that they need to be focusing on at the time. And I like to think about it as an octopus. Where can where can that CEO be spread and how can you think and act like Mm -hmm. them so that people in the organization feel like you are their proxy and they don't have to necessarily go to the CEO and bother them uh, with small things because they understand that you're able to make those decisions and they feel confident in you being the one that is a supporting cast or the supporting role to, to the CEO. It's kind of like acting and you have, uh, the understudy go on, the chief of staff mm-hmm. is an understudy to the CEO. They can still act and perform exactly the same. It may not be, you know, to a T, but it's going to be pretty mm-hmm. close and to the role that you you need the CEO to, to be at. And yeah. one thing that I found that was really important is, you know, finding someone where there's a really good trusting relationship. Um, 
you know, some of the areas I think that are difficult for finding a chief of staff role is that people generally are wanting those that have an MBA, have worked for Big mm-hmm. Four Consulting, have data or a data analyst or have FP&A experience. I don't have any of those four, but I don't think that that didn't really deter me to continue to apply for roles, but just the way that things are today, there's so many people going out. Like one role that I went to, there was 1400 people that applied uh, for that chief of staff role. So it makes it very difficult. And although networking is getting me in the door, it doesn't always get you the right role. And it's not because of me or who I am as a person. It just may not be the right fit at that time. and, And that's totally okay. Yeah. I think that that's huge and that's so important. There's two things that come to mind when you describe that, I think. And I'm not surprised at those numbers because I think for me, like I've always been a bit of a generalist. I could specialize, but I love being dynamic. I love being the person that brings the product team and the sales team together on a common thing and the customer facing team and et cetera, and pulling that together. And I think we're kind of in this space of evolution where chief of staff is like, it's the new holy grail role for the generalist where they can shine as opposed to apologetically articulate why they have experience over here and over here and over here. They actually are able to kind of roll their shoulders back and go, yeah, I have extensive experience in all three of your core departments. Like I'm perfect for it and the recipe's there. So I think that excites me. And I think there should be more roles like that, that, that want those folks who have those skills. And I could tell you would have honed that all the way from your journey from like hospitality, a being in a kitchen, folks, being in a kitchen is like having eight different things happening in your brain, right? And that's just you running one function of it, right? You're you're in charge of desserts, you're in charge of starters, like the complexities add on <laughs> the more that you're in charge of. So that builds such a core skill that then when you translate it to, especially an early stage startup, you are well versed in holding multiple priorities at once and communicating in a timely manner and all of those things. And that would have been further honed as in your role of um, chief uh, customer officer as well. Like all of that, all of those, you said it yourself, like the integrator role, what attracts you to kind of playing that position in your career or attracted you, I guess, because we're going to get onto the consultancy for sure. But what attracts you to that? Yeah, I mean, I think you said it well. I, I consider myself a generalist and I didn't realize so much that that could even be something because everyone always said, oh, you need to specialize in this thing or that thing. And I kept getting pulled back into the customer because I'm really good at that. I'm good at working with customers. I'm good at active listening and understanding and mm. and um, and taking what people want and helping them either reframe it or find what's best for them. And then for me, I think from an integrator standpoint, again, it's really just using a good cross between executive presence, emotional intelligence, and active listening. And those are the three things that I find to be the most important in that type of role, because you need to know when to sit back, when to lean in, and when to ask the right questions to move things forward without being demanding and just making sure that things are moving or progressing in the right way, Mm -hmm. but bringing the right people to the table at the right time. And sometimes that can be extremely hard to do, 
but understanding how the art and science of it, like you mentioned with, you know, what happens in hospitality, how can you make that work? And also it's a lot about gaining the trust of others around you, knowing that if they do come to you with a problem that you're able to get in there and kind of figure out how collectively it can be solved. I'm never someone that's going to go in and say, this is how we have to do it unless we just can't make a decision and it comes down to it and I'm okay. Okay. This is what it has to be. But I really like to collectively find a way to move forward. How can everybody kind of play their role and ensure that we're moving towards whatever the goal is. And in startups specifically, that goalpost is changing constantly. What you said today is (laughs) not necessarily what's going to be tomorrow. Uh, what's yeah. happened. So it's how can you continue to move that goalpost along uh, and and keep people engaged and aligned as well. Yeah, that is so huge. And it's that, you know, I think that's the piece that I'm not surprised that you've gone into the consultancy work that you go into, because even if I reflect on my current experience, so at the time of recording, I have finally accepted a full-time role. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, By the time that you folks are listening, I will have been in the role. But ultimately, you know, there was two months of a pretty focused job search. And I would say out of the top 10 roles that I was very seriously considering and went through the process for, six of them, my network was involved in some way, shape or form. Whether they were the one who gave me the call and the job didn't exist in the out, like there's no link to the job description. Like I'm preparing for the interview and saying, could you just send me a few pointers on the job description? Right. Um, That was the case for three of them. Or it was I found the role and then realized I know somebody who's who works there or works in that industry or does that role somewhere else. And I've reached out for that conversation to say, like, tell me what the day in the life is like or I'm interested in this. Do you have a referral program? And, you know, I was looking for roles that are based in tech. So tech is kind. Well, if you don't know already, if you're from the outside looking at tech, tech love a referral program. Okay. They, they love for people to refer folks in uh, the last company that I was at, you'd get, you know, four figures for a successful referral. They do not play about their referrals. So if you're listening to this and you're, you're worried about reaching out to someone to go, Hey, I see that you work here and I'm interested. Do not ever hesitate. In fact, you're doing them a favor. You're like giving them the bonus of a year if, if it's successful, but I say that to say one of the experiences that I went through was somebody where everything aligned, right? So it didn't mean just because I had that relationship in the organization that I was going to get it. It didn't mean because I had the in-depth insight of the day-to-day of the role that I was going to get it because there were some where I I just wasn't there yet. Right. And they were able to be candid and say, we're looking for somebody with a few more years experience in this area or in this task. Or, you know, one thing for me was we ideally want somebody who's managed a team before. And again, like I said, like my career, I've been the generalist integrator. I have been folks unofficial managers. Right. I am. I'm the mentor. I'm like the de facto buddy that like coaches people and teaches people how to do the job. But I'm very rarely the person in charge of their performance uh, and, and their development and things like that. Right. And there were some people that were like, that's what we would like to see. Or we want somebody who already has done that. And it left me with a sense of peace, but also double taps on what you were saying, that your network isn't it isn't a silver bullet. It's a powerful thing a thousand percent 
activate your network, reach out to your network, be conscious of your network because it's happening whether you like it or not, or whether you're intentional about it or not. You know, I say that about personal brand, you're dropping seeds regardless of whether you're conscious of it or not. So why not look around and make them conscious, right? So instead of when people go, what are you working on now? Oh, nothing, nothing much, just a bit of this, a bit of that. Dude, Give them something to go with because you never know. They might leave that event and go on to somebody who goes, I'm looking for somebody who can do blah, blah, blah. And you've just disqualified yourself because you haven't actually explained that you're currently working on a project that's exactly that thing. Or you know somebody, right? Again, sometimes the beauty of your network is the network that it opens up. There's just so much around it. But I think... I think we underestimate it. And I think especially in this kind of time in the world of work and the world of culture, yes, on one side, we're, we're talking about chat GPT and AI and stuff, but nothing's going to replace a relationship, folks. You can get AI to soup up your CV to the highest degree. It's still going to be, I'd argue, and you can fight me on this, way more powerful for somebody to go, I don't have their CV, but let me tell you about when we met up. Let me tell you about what I saw when they worked together or or even better yet, I wasn't even in their department, but let me tell you what I saw of their work and their ethic and how they show up and their values. And that isn't magic. It also isn't reserved for other people, so to speak. Like I'm always going to be honest about like equity and stuff and, you know, certain industries still have an old boys club, et cetera, et cetera. But there are more and more ways for us to just cut through that. There are more and more people who don't care to network with only their alumni, right? They, everyone kind of wants to open their world. So that's my little rant on networking, but what was the thing that, (laughs) (laughs) what was that moment where you decided like, yeah, networking is it and folks need to know, let me set up this consultancy. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. Um, I'm a part of Chief as well, which is for women executives. And mm-hmm. I was going to the career transition meeting that they have every week that's run by a woman named Michelle Ferguson. Um, she does a fantastic job. She's been running this group since 2019. She's just another Chief member. And every mm-hmm. week we went and talked about, you know, who we were, what we were looking for. Is there anybody that, you know, could help us with that mm-hmm. is, you know, in the group? And then each week I kept going and talking about who I was not working with and that I was not working. And then someone spoke up and said, Hey, Rachel, would you be open to giving a webinar on how we can be better networkers? And I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. So then I ended up in January uh, doing my first webinar and about 200 people showed up for that webinar, which is a huge number for the amount of people that we normally get. Maybe we get 75, maybe a hundred. And well, I also, so many people showed up because I've been a community manager and as as a coach and webinars are like part and parcel to get 200 to show up. Amazing. Post pandemic world. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I was shocked as well. And so that was the good beginning. And then from there, uh, Chief actually asked me to come back to do another conversation on it. I reached out to a couple other networking groups I'm a part of and asked if I could give a webinar on networking so that I could just continue to hone in on what I was talking about and what the interests were of people. And then worked with a few others to kind of understand what was, you know, how I could build this into something more than than what it was of just webinars. And I'm still working through exactly what that, that looks like. But my ultimate goal is 
to, for those people that aren't really sure how to go about it, don't like doing it, don't want to do it, to have that skill set to be able to do it on a regular basis. Because a little bit of what you talked about previously, you know, people should be opening up their network. People should be open to having conversations with others, especially in tech. And in startups specifically, you're running so fast, the time passes by so quickly. And you're like, I have a job, I'm securing this job, I don't necessarily want to do anything else. But then what's going to happen when it is time for you to find that next job, or you do get laid off and being laid off is not a bad thing. It's not because you are underperforming. It's because the business isn't necessarily doing well. And when were you gonna, then where are you going to turn to? And, or what if you want to pivot into something else? Because that's really where I was. I said, okay, I want to do something different. I don't want to tap into the people I already know because I didn't necessarily want to do that same work again. How do I get started from scratch? And if you're building a network that is larger than what you just know, it's going to help you. And I don't know the exact number, but majority of people, like you said, you, you found those roles through networking. They find their roles through their secondary connections, not necessarily the first connection, but a secondary connection, somebody that introduces you to somebody else. So I always like to say, when you're having a conversation with somebody, find out what you know it is that you can help them with. And it can be an introduction to somebody else, or it can be a resource that you send them down or towards so that they can use that tooling or that resource. Listen to this podcast episode, read a book about XYZ topic, or maybe there is a person I think would be great to connect you with. And then another great note or topic uh, tip, I guess, is if you are going to connect somebody else to someone, make sure you ask that person first if they're open to the connection. Don't just assume mm. that you're going to send an <laughs> intro email and that Putting they're going to automatically say, yes, <laughs> yeah, put them on a thread and say, hey, you should connect with this person. Be sure yeah. that it's okay for them to, or they have time to make that connection because maybe they are busy this week. Maybe they're going on vacation. Mm. Maybe they don't have time for a month. Just let the other person know, hey, I'm going to introduce you in a month when they have more time so it's not lingering or they don't have time right now when in the future I'll introduce you if I can. Uh, Anything that's that's going to ensure that that connection actually happens. And then if Mm. you're on the receiving end, thank the person that sent you that introduction so that they know that that meeting actually went well. And if it didn't go well, let them know too. This person didn't show Mm. up on time. They weren't present in the conversation. So they know not to make introductions to them anymore because it's your network that you're and and your own social status in a way of putting yourself out there and other people that you know representing you. And it doesn't look good on you if they're not representing themselves well. This episode is brought to you by Just Jazz Private Coaching, the six-month one-to-one experience for high achievers to carve their unique careers free from burnout, overwhelm, and underwhelm. With challenging and curious conversations, we get knee-deep in all the things getting in the way of you having a hell-yeah career instead of a career that feels meh. If this sounds great to you, book a call today at justjazz.co forward slash coaching, where we will map out the what and how of working together. Also, one thing which is kind of a pet peeve of mine, if you're going to introduce folks, tell me, even if you do it in like a separate thread, tell me why you're actually putting us together 
hey, she's interested in this and I know that you're also interested in it. Like, give me a little clue because I'm the type of person, my DMs are open. I get introduced to folks all the time. I do a lot of introducing. I love networking because I just love connection, like I thrive off of connection. Um, But it does mean that when we hop on a call for 30 minutes and we don't know why we've been paired together, we go all around the houses, we give each other our bio and our CV. And then it's towards the end of the conversation where it's just like, wait, you want to travel to this place? And I've been there or I live there. That's why. Oh my gosh, we've only got three minutes left. I have to hop for another call. You know, and it's like, we, we we want to have a successful connection. So don't be afraid to be like, just super clear and go, I was talking to this person. And obviously, again, with their consent, I was talking to this person and they're looking for this. And I think you've done that before. You were interested in it. Um, then go ahead and do that. Because I think it's us remembering at the end of the day, connection is important to all of us. And we all appreciate help. Like nobody wants to go the hard route. So if you've got a book that changed your life, hell yeah, tell me the book. If there was a TED talk, a podcast about the very thing that I was just talking to you about, share it with me. You know, they're not there just to be like everybody's best kept secret. Um, gatekeeping is not the way. And exactly like you said in your tip, like see where you can support, where you can help them kind of like go with an open hand. Uh, this is not the eighties. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. And and the hardest thing still for people today is to ask for help. So don't be afraid mm. to ask for a little help because you never know where that connection is going to lead. And the other thing that I like to say is most relationships you want to be 50-50, but on that first call, if it's 90-10 or 70-30, you want to give to get. So give whatever you can, you will get back get it back at some point. It may not be immediately, Mm -hmm. but it may be at some point in time. And in many of the conversations that I was having with my informational networking conversations, the chief of staff, it was, I was just taking in. I was just a sponge. I was like, Mm. let me know how I can help you. How can I help you? You know, whatever I can do. And, and I couldn't necessarily help anyone at the time, but people are so generous with the time and teaching me uh, so that there's something that I can learn about this role and how I could position myself. Mm. And it's okay to have informational interviews as well, or to go in with a sense of wanting to understand. But to your point, make sure they know what the purpose of the conversation is. It's not just to go in and and talk a little bit about yourself. You if there's something that you really want to get out of the conversation, be clear and upfront about it. Um, but don't bombard the other person with questions. I've been in some multiple networking <laughs> conversations where I walk it's in thrilling. and someone's like, these are all the questions that I have for you. And I'm like, okay, let's take a step back. Uh, we'll do breath. one at a time. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get through this. I'm happy to help you. Uh, but they get so nervous that they just want to regurgitate everything Like reel them they... off. Yeah. Yeah. And I exactly. think it's that. I think there's something. I think there's something that we also don't realize happens. And I'm not, I don't know the science of it, but I'm sure there's research that we like it when people are intentional. Like it's not off-putting as long as you are kind and you're not entitled with it. I'd like for somebody to go, you know, I had somebody message me the other day to go like, seeing your profile would love to connect because I am, you know, my friends have told me that coaching could be a good career for me. So I'd love to know a little bit about how you started and if you have any advice. Wonderful. 
I know exactly what we're going to talk about when we get on a call. Even better, if I don't have time for a call, there's a podcast I can share with you, a blog I can share with you, or I could just give you some top tips off the dome. Like here's three things to just bear in mind. And we can go from there, right? If I haven't got time, squeeze you in the calendar, we can do that on the DMs. But I love intention is very attractive to me, not in a romantic sense, but in a, I will make time for you because every time we talk, you're very clear on what you want to know from me. And it makes it really easy for me to teach you that or pass that insight over or connect the dots for you or to pitch you to someone else or make that introduction for you. Um, And I think that's, it's probably something that would have shone through when you were doing these informational interviews is you had a specific objective that you wasn't shy about. And I guess, you know, it's like I said, like, I think some people think that that's icky and in the same word, it kind of comes under the umbrella of the sides of networking that people think are bad or it's off putting or it's rude or it's, you know, when it's like, no, no, this, this is like, this is good networking etiquette. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I always like to say, take it from an intention or a starting point of what do you want to learn? What is something that you mm. don't know that you want to get from somebody else that does it really well? Is it, do you want to learn more about someone's executive presence? Do you want to understand communication skills better? Do you just mm. like the content that they're putting out and that relates to you? How are they putting a podcast together? What are the things that's something that interests you that you want to learn more of that you're inquisitive about? Because the more inquisitive mm. you are, the better the conversation is going to go as opposed to just sitting there and saying, okay, what's next? Or <laughs> I'm not really sure. Or the other person, you know, on the flip side is when someone's really trying to impress you, which is not the way to go. You really want to be authentic yeah. in these conversations. You want to show your true self because back to the point that you had, a, you know, a while ago about finding that next role. And when you're networking, you're finding them through networking connections, that person may not have worked directly with you, but they know who you truly Mm. are authentically. They're more likely to recommend you than someone that's pretending or someone that is trying to impress based upon their resume or what they think you want to know or what you do and thinking that they should be doing everything or have done everything that you've, you know, done or been a part of. That's not necessarily impressive um impressive yeah. are the things when you're being authentically yourself 100 percent. oh my goodness and i think that's one thing that i want to jump into because you mentioned you took a learning sabbatical and i think hey anyone who does a sabbatical i'm just like do you i love it um Years ago, I didn't know what it was. And it was about, I'd probably say about last year, started having conversations with a lot of my peers around taking two months out or a month out or three months out and that with the blessing of your your company. So if you're listening, um, look into your policies because you may have um, a sabbatical as a benefit if you have been at the company for a certain amount of time. So my past employer, I think you had to be there four years and then you can get two months and this is paid folks. So this is why I encourage you to go and look at it. Not every company has it fully paid. You maybe have a limit. There's maybe some criteria, etc. But I think it's such a powerful way for folks to take a step back from their career in a very empowered way. So what was that like for you? Why, why take a learning sabbatical versus kind of doing the, let me just spend all of my evenings and weekends <laughs> doing this thing and upskilling in this area? Yeah. So it's a great question. I originally thought that I was, I called it my mid-career retirement. I said, I I just need Mm -hmm. a break. And then 
once I started um, doing things that I enjoy doing, which is learning, reading, traveling, I kind of combine them all together. So I'm an avid mm-hmm. reader. I read about 100 pages an hour. I read 105, 106 books, I believe, at the time that we're recording now this year. And so I was just kind of really digging into all the things that I enjoyed and realized that Mm. in order for me to figure out what's next or where do I want to go from here, I need to understand what I don't know. Is there something else out there that I want to learn that I've not done before? Or is there something that I've been doing that I really do enjoy that I really, that I want to just focus on that. And I wasn't quite sure when I was trying to answer those questions. And so I started jumping in and finding different things to learn. So whether that was taking a class or reading a book and it wasn't all nonfiction books, although I do do a nonfiction book review on LinkedIn every week so that people can see some of the things that I'm reading and, um, get the cliff notes version of it. Uh, it was just a great opportunity for me to really start to find myself a little bit more and figure out what that next thing might be uh, because I wasn't quite sure at the time. Wow. Curiosity, right? That's the theme that I'm getting yeah. through your career. It's just like, yeah, give it a go. I'll find out about it. I'll explore it. I'll feel it out for myself and kind of taking like an empowered sort of journey from the knowledge that you gather from there, um, which is really exciting because I can like relate to that at, at varying degrees. I think curiosity is definitely one of my values, one of my core values, um, because I think that's kind of like a position that will always serve you well. Cause exactly like you said, you didn't, you didn't step into a chief of staff role, but you got so much from the journey of doing those informational interviews. And probably it sounds like it, it was one of the biggest catalysts to you going, actually, this is, this is a thing. This is a skill. Like I knew it was there, but like, I'm pretty good at this now. And not everybody feels that way why you know again looping back to curiosity like what needs to change for everybody to love this the way that I do um yeah so what's that kind of journey in I guess in the more literal sense been like for you so at the time of us speaking how do you work with folks what does your consultancy kind of look like yeah so right now I am doing cohort-based learning Uh, For those that want to just have a better understanding about networking and kind of get over the fears of that and also have more tools in their toolbox to be able to do this on a regular basis. So it's not something that, again, it's when it's time to look for a job, it's something that's just part of who you are every day. So that's one thing. Another thing is one-on-one coaching for those that prefer more intimate Uh, setting or to have one-on-one versus being in a group, Um, eventually getting to a group because I think you're going to learn more from from others as well. And then um, finding additional speaking engagements, speaking for companies, teaching people how to network within their own company, because I think that's an area that a lot of people need to regardless of the size, but generally, you know, medium, large size companies, you might want to roll later down the road, or there's an opportunity in another department, or how can you best work with another department and learning more about them. So having the opportunity to speak, speaking engagements to really teach people how to do that is, um, is also uh, something that I really enjoy doing as well. So that 
again, it's not just for the time that you're looking for a job. It's how do you use that throughout your entire career? It's a skill for life, folks. It's like riding a bike. Okay. Exactly. Keep on doing it. Well, since I've asked you this, I want to take this opportunity to ask you to just share um, some of the places that folks can connect with your work um, to connect with your consultancy as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you can always email me, rachel at connectioncatalyst.me. My website is connectioncatalyst.me. And LinkedIn is also um, the best way to connect me. Connect with me. You can just search for Rachel Rosen. I think there's only one or two of us in the world um, on LinkedIn. So I love pretty easy that. to find. <laughs> it's just like, I am highly unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, I'm going to now step back and shift gears a little bit and ask you a question I ask most of my guests, because we've spoken about an amazing career journey with some common threads in between. And you're on a mission to help other folks within their careers and lives. Um, so what's your career teaching you right now? I think the biggest thing is to not be afraid, uh, afraid of what's next, afraid of leaving a role, afraid of taking that next step in your journey. It may not be easy, but nothing necessarily comes easily. But what the Mm. reward is on the other side is always going to be better. I mean, every leap that I have ever taken, I was very nervous about taking that next step as I am right now too. But I feel like on the other side, it's going to bring me to a place where I have not been before. And I'm excited for that. Oh, amazing. Having that excitement over fear. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey and just sharing everything today. There's just so much food for thought just around how you've navigated your career with just such intention and curiosity. And then that's led you to the work that you're doing. I think we take for granted that putting one foot in front of the other will eventually land you where you're meant to be so there's that like a sense of peace in that I get that a lot of us like to be control freaks (laughs) but there's a sense of peace yeah of like okay I'm gonna focus on today and tomorrow will handle itself it will unfold and it will be beautiful um yeah so thank you again Rachel thanks Jazz I appreciate you having me on Don't forget to reach out with any gems you took away. My DMs and inbox are always open and waiting to hear. And if you liked this episode, you should probably join the crew. So sign up to the Monday Memo to get weekly messages that put you back at the center of your ambitious career. With passion-filled musings created to educate and inspire, you'll have everything you need to fuel your ambitious career this year. Go to justjazz.co forward slash join and I'll see you there.